Welcome to Compression, the quest to $100 million in just one year. Join me, your host, Logan Freeman, in this one-of-a-kind interactive podcast experience where I am on a quest to compress three years of achievement and production into 12 months. And no, the answer is not to just work harder. I'm bringing you not only ideas and concepts that are complete at the theoretical level, but they're also effective at the applied level. Look guys, knowledge is not power. It is potential power. Knowledge plus massive strategic action equals power. We're talking about strategy, systems, accountability, all in real time. This is Compression. <laughs> we compressing it baby so i got it. the man the myth the legend logan freeman here and you guys are going to get to dive into the recesses of one of the most successful people that i've met oh wow hundred million dollars over the course of the last three years yep our mission is to compress that into one year and you, you don't do that by accident Mm-hmm. Now, over the past three years, Logan, when he started, no relationships, no track record, nothing that said he should be successful other than a will that I'm going to make this work. And so, Logan, you know, there, there's a ton to unpack. I could go in so many different directions, but I like to start with just kind of the origin story. Mm-hmm. Where'd you grow up? And what did you see as the actual path to earning the living that you wanted to live as an adult? Well, folks probably don't know this, but the capital of Missouri is Jefferson City. Little city right in the middle of Missouri. You go two and a half hours east, you run into St. Louis, you go three hours west, you run into Kansas City. Hour and a half south is Springfield. And right in the middle, you got Jefferson City. I always liken Jefferson City to, you know, when I read this book by Carol Dweck called Mindset, there's two mindsets. There's really two types of people in this world when it comes to mindset. The first being a fixed mindset. It's not necessarily a negative mindset. It's just this is the way the world is and this is how it's going to be. The growth mindset does not accept that. And the growth mindset says, I can be better. I can make positive change in my life. Jefferson City is more of a fixed mindset. Very great place to live, safe, you know, affordable, nice little place. But, uh, it, you know, the, the real biggest, you know, winner in Jefferson City is, you know, whose truck is bigger, you know. And, you know, thankfully they haven't seen the dually, you know, because all you would have to do is pull up and say, I got you. But, you know, that's that's Jefferson City. So I grew up in Jeff City and I, I knew that uh, something was a little off in our family. I, I didn't know exactly what it was growing up, uh, but I battled and I don't have talked about this a lot on, on shows, but this is my own show. So, you know, you're getting it. I battled ADD and obsessive compulsive disorder very bad uh, growing up to the point where my mom had taken me to some sort of neurologist where I went to help control my thoughts and my emotions in my head. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, you know, my, my father always was kind of a, uh, a wild one. And, 
you know, he, he liked to drink, he liked to smoke weed and, and he really liked to, uh, you know, kind of escape life that way. And, uh, he loved us kids. He really did, but, uh, he didn't make very good decisions, which forced my mother to, uh, work two jobs to keep food on the table, uh, to keep clothes on our back. I got two sisters, one older, one younger. Uh, my mom worked nights. My dad be passed out by seven or seven thirty. So my older sister really kind of helped me become the young man that I am. But I watched my mom sacrifice so much growing up. Now, my mom has more of a fixed mindset, but she also has a mentality of a mother uh, and she loves her children. And so I watched her sacrifice so many years for us kids to uh, make sure we had what we needed to have and not be outcasts, so to speak. You know, lower, middle, middle class, whatever. Uh, but we definitely did not want for anything in, in my life. But I had a lot of friends in my life in Jeff City that I watch and their family dynamics, which is different. So let's fast forward. So I went up to high school. You know, I was a big kid. I love playing basketball. I love sports. My, my escape from my mind, because I couldn't figure out how to, to, to manage it yet, was sports. So I played basketball, football, baseball. I started to really excel at basketball. So I played basketball my freshman year in high school. And then, you know, I didn't play uh, football my freshman year in, in high school. But I started to develop so fast that my knees started to really give me some trouble. And I, I, I developed Osgood Slaughter, which just means, you know, hey, you're a big kid and, you know, running up and down the floor and jumping up and down probably isn't the best for you. So, uh, you know, I, I was battling that. I didn't get along with the coach. I had a, you know, I had a uh, what I'll call a mentality problem at the time. And so uh, I stopped playing basketball and I started playing football and I found my sport. And so I excelled all through high school. I'd work, you know, from I would work the weekends and I'd work after school in high school just to make sure I had a little extra money and uh, help my mom out wherever I could. Started working when I was 14 years old, by the way. Uh, I had a Roth IRA by 15. My mom had to go sign on it because uh, they wouldn't let you open it up yourself. But I was reading Dave Ramsey at the time and I figured that's how you got wealthy, right? Was save, save, save. Ooh, was I in for a, for a rude awakening. So in high school, Played football, did pretty well, all stater both ways. I got picked up as a, uh, you know, as a Division II athlete, got a nice scholarship to the University of Central Missouri, went up there, uh, you know, got the opportunity to play my freshman year. Uh, not a lot of freshmen get to play. Uh, so I, I got to step up and play in some games. Then I broke an ankle and, and tore an MCL in, in, in practice. So I got, the, I got a red shirt. So I had to sit out the rest of the season, but I got to come back that fifth year. Through college, man, all I did was really identify as a student athlete, student first. I took my, my studies seriously. I was a ESPN all-academic, all-American, dean's list every semester, all through graduate school as well. Uh, just pure work ethic on that stuff. And that's the same thing I did on the football field. I took the same mentality that my mom had instilled in me through watching her and uh, started to apply it to my, my studies and to football. Well, one day I'm sitting there and and uh, I showed up to practice a little early because I needed to stretch out, man. I, I'm just a big guy. I need to get in, get rolling, get stretching, try to get uh, loosened up for the day and went in and got some film watching in. And you know, I saw the Carolina Panthers scout was there and I said, coach, you know, hey, who's, you know, who's the Panthers 
uh, you know, scout here to see. And they said, well, I'm glad you're here because they're here to talk to you. And I was like, what? You know, I had no idea. I was like, get out of here. Uh, so sat down and started talking with some scouts. And that's when I realized that maybe maybe I had the opportunity to, to play at the next level. And uh, so agents started giving me a call and, and all of these things. So after my fifth year of football, uh, I had graduated with my undergrad, was working on my master's. Uh, the NFL draft comes around in April or whenever it is, and I didn't get picked up. I thought I was going to get drafted in the sixth or seventh round. I didn't get picked up. But at the NFL Combine, I was 335 pounds, ran a five-flat 40, and I benched 225 29 times. So I was one of the top centers. If you guys remember Dallas Cowboys center, Travis Frederick was a couple ahead of me. Travis had to stop playing ball because of a, a heart issue or, or some serious medical condition. But uh, that's the same class that I was in. So I went out, I got picked up as an undrafted free agent with the Oakland Raiders. And when I showed up, Jerome, I, my, my mentality was that my, uh, my stuff didn't stink. You know, I had, I had touched everything. It turned to gold. I was going to outwork everybody. Uh, but I came from a division two school whenever I stepped on the football field and I used my, my physical prowess and my playing to the whistle to get me to the level I was at. And I was bigger and stronger than a lot of the guys in Division Two. When I got up there, everybody else was bigger and stronger than me, and they were playing at a level. They were playing at SEC level, man. I'm talking ball was snapped. I felt like they were across the line. I mean, it was it was crazy. So mentally, I was not there. Physically, I, I could keep up, but mentally, I was not there. And so, you know, I, I beat out a few of the guys that they drafted, which I was very proud of. But ultimately, I got let go, and I got um, I got fired from that job. I got cut from that job. And uh, that was a big mental hurdle for me to get over. I had to really rethink of, you know, who I was as an individual, who I wanted to be, what my identity was. Well, like I said, I was 335 pounds. And to keep that weight on, I was eating 10 to 12,000 calories a day, lots of protein, just crazy amounts of food. So when I got cut, you know, it was pretty late in the, uh, the process, but something was, I had a, you know, a light bulb. I said, you know, I just, I didn't love that. I don't think that's for me. Uh, I'm going to go back to school, finish my master's degree, I think. So I didn't keep up the eating, but I just stayed in shape. Four weeks later, or three or four weeks later, maybe, I had already lost 40 pounds, so 10 pounds a week, and the San Francisco 49ers call. I'm in Las Vegas with my best friend at the time and and his family. that took they We went out to vacations all the time. They had a bunch of vacation rentals. It wasn't like a crazy blowout or anything like that. We were just out there enjoying Lake, one of the lakes out there where Hoover Dam is, I think was all that stuff. Um, so long story short, the 49ers call, I answer the phone, say, hey, Logan, our center just went down. You're on our board. We need to fly you out so you can try out. There's only really a week or two left before the last cuts. What's your, what do you weigh right now? Are you in shape? I said, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm in great shape. I've been running I'm staying in shape. They're like, awesome, man. What do you weigh? Where are you at? Let's fly you in right now. Like, let's go. I, I, we got to get you here the next day. I said, I'm in Las Vegas. I'm not that far. And they said, that's fantastic. They said, what do you weigh? And uh, I kept delaying that call, but that was the moment I said, I'm done. Because I probably could have put 20, 25 pounds on in a couple of days. I don't know. Or I could have just tried to bluff them. Who knows? But they... Uh, I, I just I just said, you know, it's it's time for me to move on. So I said, uh, sir, I weigh 285, 280 pounds. And they said, well, what happened? I said, I'm done playing football. That moment 
I shed the identity of being an athlete and I, I, I went back inside myself. So I went back to school, finished my master's degree. Okay, so got cut, started losing weight. I said, man, I've been a big guy my whole life and I want to try to be a littler guy. So I was like, how do I do that? Well, eat less, move more. I was an athlete. I was in great shape. I'm 24 at the time. You know, I'm, I'm just at the top of my game. So I end up uh, just doing, I end up going back to, going back to school in the summer because I got cut in the summer. So I went back to school in the summer, but I would work all day pouring concrete, moving, moving heavy bricks. And I go home and I put myself through an hour and a half gauntlet in 110 degree weather in, in Jefferson city, eating two packs of tuna, and uh, eggs. That's all I ate. Two packs of tuna and eggs all, all day. So probably about a thousand calories. So I went from 10,000 to 1,000, all protein uh, and working eight hours and then going home and working out for an hour and a half, running, lifting heavy weights, the weights that you saw in my in my room up there, actually. So some of them are still up there. That weird easy bar, you know, uh, I don't even know where I got that thing. So that was a, a big mental time for me to, to rethink who I was. And so I went back to school. I got a job because I needed to make some money to pay for school. So I got a job at a, at a company called MCH Strategic Data, making 265 cold calls a day. So here's my schedule. Wake up at 3.30 in the morning for, in Warrensburg, go to the gym, work out, eat some food, line up the podcasts and the CDs I was going to listen to for the hour drive drive to Sweet Springs, Missouri, down I-70, make 265 cold calls, get back in my car, drive an hour and listen to an hour more of the uh, of the personal professional development and go to school from five to nine every single night for six months, 12 hours in the library on Saturday. Lost 120 pounds in six months, completely transformed my perspective on life and uh, started to try to become a better man. I dove back into my faith and I started to dive into, you know, Napoleon Hill and Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and all of these guys, the, the godfathers of personal and professional development. So fast forward, I'm working, going to school, losing weight. Fast forward to graduation week. And uh, graduation week was a big week for me because I was, I was going to move on to my next position as a franchise consultant with Jimmy Johns, the youngest franchise consultant they had ever hired. And so I landed that job, quit MCH Strategic Data, was the number one salesperson over there, by the way, quit that, and then went over to Jimmy John's. Well, my dad came up to move me out of Warrensburg, my apartment, my roach-infested apartment, with no front door, by the way. We'll talk about that later. I didn't have a front door in my apartment complex. <laughs> it's like 500 bucks a month, baby. Utilities included. Right on campus. So I go back to, you know, I, I, I was getting back ready to move out, go back to Jeff City for a little bit to start my job. I had to fly up to or drive up to Michigan, start my job. My dad came to move me out. He couldn't. My dad's 6'2", 260 pounds, hit a golf ball 300 yards, dunk a basketball, that type of guy. He couldn't make it up the stairs to get up to my apartment complex. My dad, obviously, like I said, had been battling things his whole life, but uh you know, it was it was hard because I knew something was seriously wrong. And uh, that was that was like in the end of December by uh, January one. That was the day that I got the call. So the day New Year's Day on on 2014, I got the call from the hospital because I was listed as the guy that they called. Say, hey, 
you got to get to the hospital right now. Your dad's dying. Like he might not have long. I'm like, what? What, what happened? Like what's going on? I just saw him two days ago at, uh, at our Christmas. So you got to get here. He had a stroke, a stroke. What? So I'm getting to the, the hospital trying to figure out what's going on. My dad is just out, man. And, and they, they unsedated him a little bit. He barely woke up to see me and he, he's just scared, you know, scared, doesn't know what's going on. Uh, and I had to be the guy to ask him, dad, do you want, uh, do you want to be buried here in Missouri? You want to go home to North Carolina? And uh, that's what I got to ask my dad. So long story short, he had a bunch of, of procedures. Uh, he, he had a worse stroke, which then, um, have future complications and there was nothing more they could do for my dad. So they took my dad out of the hospital, a man who was on a, uh, basically on pain medication to keep him alive. And they took him out, took all pain medication away and put him in a, uh, a hospice house and, and with a room with the TV. They said, insurance is no longer paying. You get to go over here. And my dad died alone the day that I left for Michigan. I delayed my, my, my uh, leaving twice because I wanted to spend time with him. I, I said in our father over my dad uh, on like a Thursday, and I drove up to Michigan, six hours into the drive from Missouri to Michigan, I got called from the nursing home, so my dad passed away. So in, in a matter of six months, I went from being a 335-pound offensive lineman in the NFL to losing 120 pounds, new identity, losing my father, and, you know, starting a brand new career. And so that was over seven years ago now. So that's who I am, where I came from. That's the background story that people uh, are going to get more insight to, I'm sure. Uh, but I wanted to at least just kind of pause there and see if there was anything you wanted to chat about in that. So what happened that made you say, I'm done, right? I'm not playing football anymore because it was so much of your identity for so long. And I think it was the way you thought you were going to make money when you yeah. shifted from basketball to football. It was my gut, man. It was in my gut. It was in my heart. And it felt uh, I didn't have the passion. And I, and I didn't have the passion at the time. And I, I now know it's purpose, but at the time I thought it was passion. Uh, and so I didn't have that fire underneath me anymore. There was no common goal that we were all working towards. It was, I'm trying to make this team to make some money, not I'm trying to make this team to win a national championship, become a better person. And that's when that fire left. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't really love that anymore. And to be honest with you too, the immense pressure I was, I was done with. Uh, it was unbelievable. Not the physical pressure. It was the mental pressure. So there's gotta be a better way, man. I'm not uh I'm the guy that's going to be fighting to be here every single week. And I just do not have that love of this game in my mind or in my heart to continue. And I know that I am strong enough mentally and physically to go do something that's much more profitable and probably healthier for me. And so with that being said, when I was convinced myself of that, it was game over. Okay. And so you go do the thing in Michigan and then you, well, Let's talk about Taylor and then your last day in that last role. <laughs> okay. So you want to talk about when I got fired? All right. So yep. we go back to it. Was that Jimmy Johns? Was there for 12 months or so? 
and, uh, you know, rose through the ranks there at Jimmy John's and, and kind of went to my direct report and said, hey, what's next? He said, hey, you're the youngest one in the company. You haven't even been here a year. The next position is mine. I'm not going anywhere. You'll have to move. Strike one, two, and three. I left a week later for a startup company. I helped. I so I went from a largest franchise or fastest growing franchise in the country to a company with three employees. Uh, the 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 director of sales or the general manager saw that I was actually going to pick up the phone and call people to drive sales to this business. He left two weeks later after I outsold him, so he left, and so now it's two people really and me. And so I helped grow this sales company or this this startup company. Uh, direct sales to some of the largest trucking and, and transportation companies in the country. I did that for two and a half years. Met my wife through that process. Met the best man in my wedding through that process. Uh, but at the time, I said, okay, uh, I think it's time for us to, to go to something more safe. And so I took my first six-figure sales job here in Kansas City at a company back in the hospitality space selling sales and or selling services and consulting. And uh, I did that for a little bit over 12 months. It's about 15 months. I got a call, said, hey, I need you to come in at 6 a.m. the next day. Okay, great. I brought my own cardboard box. They wouldn't let me take anything. I said, just at least give me, let me get my books. Let me take my books because I had all my sales books there. Said, okay, you can, tell, you can take your books. So I took all my sales books with me. I got fired. I called my wife. I said, Taylor, I got fired. She goes, no worries. Just check your you know, check your email whenever you get home. Check my email. Okay. Check my email. She started what is now Live Free Investments. And uh, she'd started the Articles of Organization and uh, the LLC to get me started uh, for what I was going to do. And that's the day that I, you know, started my my own company, which has been over three years ago now. So that was... Uh, you know, that was a, a very uh, defining moment in my life as well. But it was a lot easier to go through that having the support of her. So what did that do for you? What, what did that signal? Because there wasn't a lot in that exchange. It was all activity. There wasn't a whole lot of words. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was. Uh, it was it was scary, man. It was scary. I mean, if but but I knew that I had set a foundation the previous five years of learning about business, learning about entrepreneurship, emotional agility, emotional intelligence, all of these things. And so I, I figured I was ready. I didn't know what I was ready for yet, but I was ready to take action and do a bunch of shotgunning and figure out what was going to stick on the wall. So uh, for me, I mean, that moment was like the, the most freeing moment I've ever experienced because no longer was I going to be a slave to anybody else. I was going to be the master of my, my financial and, and, and my well-being going forward. So I guess it was, uh, it was a scary moment, but it was also extremely freeing for me because I didn't feel like I was, um, you know, I was just, you know, paying the man anymore. So I know we're running up on time. The, the one last story that I think is super interesting is, all right, so over the course of the last three years, you've done $100 million, right? Let's condense the last three years into a minute worth of story. Yeah. Yeah, we, we can keep going just for a little bit. But 
when I started Live Free Investing or Live Free Investments, it was Live Free Consulting. It was Live Free Investments. It was everything because I wasn't sold. I wasn't sold on real estate alone. But I had a buddy who landed a big fish off of Bigger Pockets and landed a $50 million fund and his head of acquisitions just left. And so he needed a head of acquisitions, but it was a hundred percent commission. And I wasn't sold that, that uh, real estate was my thing. And so I started a sales consulting company. I've been trained on Franklin Covey sales training. I've read all the books, felt very uh, comfortable in delivering content, presentations, thought I had some good stuff. So I picked up Inc.'s 5,000 as the fastest growing, 5,000 fastest growing company list. And uh, I called the first 2,500 of them. And I landed three sales consulting clients to pay me 250 bucks an hour. I said, well, what do you do? I said, well, whatever you need. And that was the moment that I, I lost as a consultant because no longer was I a slave to one company. I was a slave to three clients. And maybe I was making more, but I also still had to answer to them. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I was reading books on the fly. I was putting proposals together. I was asking my wife because she was kind of in the space. I'm doing all these things. And all I'm doing is complaining to her about these sales consulting you know, clients that I have. And all I'm doing is talking about real estate, about how much fun I'm having and how exciting it is and, and how much success we're having. We were doing over 10 transactions. These were all single family homes at the time. We were doing 10 transactions a month with the fund. Ended up doing 80 in like six months, uh, 80 transactions in like six months. And so uh, six months in, my wife took me for another walk and she said, hey, I'm really impressed with what you've been able to do. Like, good on you, man. You, you proved some pretty cool stuff here, but you need to focus. You need to be strategic. You need to pick one or the other, real estate or consulting, because running around in circles is really, you know, causing you to, to struggle. And I was like, okay. That was the moment that I ended the consulting uh, contracts. I finished up those projects and I went head first into real estate, doing real estate at a larger scale. I sat down with the sponsors of that fund the people who manage that fund, they said, what, uh, you know, what did you do to, to aggregate all these dollars? And they said it was a syndication. Well, that was the first time I had ever heard that word. I didn't know how to spell that word. I'm like, a Cinda what? Cinda who? Is that a name? You calling it Cindy? You got Cindy over here aggregating money for you? You got a syndication? Like, what are you talking about? said, no, it's a syndication and we're aggregating funds utilizing, you know, Regulation D's SEC exemption, Regulation D 506 B and C. What are you talking about? Like, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to learn how to do that because that's pretty cool. And so that was a year after I had really been doing single family homes. So really my first year in real estate was $12 million, man, which is a lot for a lot of people. But the last two years is really where the growth has come and why I'm so confident that I can get to 100 million because in one year, because if we just take out the 12, the, you know, the 12 million that I did the first year, you really got, you know, 88 million the last two years. Right. So now we're getting closer. Now we're seeing the, the opportunities here. And really last or in 2000, not, not this year, but last year. 
I didn't get started brokering deals until March. You know, and I did a ton of brokerage that year and I represented all buyers. So I reinvented a whole space. So again, that's, I've compressed, I'm, the goal is to compress those three years, but each one of those years, I've done something a little bit different. And I've found the right avenue now to be able to get to 200 million. When I added up those volumes and saw it was 100 million, I was like, wow, that's, that's exciting, man. And then I, you know, I see what that has made our family and, and created from a, a net worth standpoint and also, uh, you know, building wealth. And that's in passive income, which is very exciting as well. But I said, what if, right? Got that David Goggins mentality. It's November. I start thinking about the year. I start thinking about next year in November. Because if you're thinking about into December, you're too late. Let me just tell you, you're too late. Because I already got you beat. Jerome's already got you beat. We already started. We got 30 days on you, man. Oh, by the way, we're up at four. What time you get up? You up at six? Ooh, I got 22 days on you before you got up. Anyways. The, the idea of what we're going to be able to accomplish here is the fact that you, you don't have to work harder to be able to accomplish more. You have to work in a more effective and efficient way. There's quadrants, and everybody's heard about those quadrants, about Stephen Covey's quadrants, but I don't that, – that's important. But what I'm trying to figure out is in the quadrants, there's a dollar – there's $10, there's $1,000, and there's $10,000. And if you can play in that quadrant of 10000 that's where people start to make oodles and goodles of money. You think Patrick Mahomes was surprised that he, that he signed a $500 million contract? I don't think so. That boy values his time. He knows what he's worth, and he went out and got paid. Now it's up to you to do the same and for me to do the same. So I'm excited because I got the right vehicle now and I got the right, the right uh, people driving that vehicle and it's headed in the right direction. I've never been more clear in my life on where I have been. I've never been more financially, emotionally, and physically stable than I am right now. And that is what you need to be able to scale up to the next level. And so compression this year is being smart, but it's also being strategic and taking massive action. So there's different levels to this that I'm excited to talk about. But that's kind of where I'm at now, man, and, and uh, what, we're, what we're doing. What else do you have for me? What's the one takeaway, Logan? It's always one takeaway. What's the one thing? Everybody asks me why I'm different. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them with this, man. I'm going to leave them with this. So being a 24-year-old boy at the time, I had to write my dad's eulogy. And uh, I was pretty introspective. I was getting there. Not anywhere where I was now, but I'm, I was getting there. And I wrote my dad this poem. And uh, I'll leave people with this because if you want to follow somebody that uh, thinks differently, lives differently, and acts differently, that's what you got here. 
And let me give you a little bit of insight into why. This is called My Dad. My dad was far from perfect, but aren't we all? My dad had my back and believed in me whenever I was about to fall. What hurts the most is that I knew who you were, but at times in your life, you were not sure. That's okay. What you taught me is your legacy, and there's nothing more in this world that means more to me. We cannot go back in time. You taught me that. Focus on the family and take care of those girls is what you said. I'll never forget those last words you spoke while you laid in that bed. So I just want to leave folks with that, Jerome. I'm excited for people to start getting an idea of who we both are. And thank you for being here. Boy, if people aren't ready for compression, I don't know how they will be. This is about to be exciting. I'm pumped. I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of Compression. My mission for this show is to do my part in helping you crush your limiting beliefs, rise above mediocrity, and live as the best version of yourself. If you feel inclined Please share this show with someone who could benefit, someone who needs to hear this message. As always, please leave us a review wherever you're listening and connect and engage with me on LinkedIn and head on over to CompressionPodcast.com where you can subscribe. And when you do, you're going to get access to my live goal tracker, resources to download that will help you along your own compression journey and you're going to be able to stay up with the episodes. Until next time, we'll talk soon.